Hi there. Welcome to another edition of the Bones of Advertising. I'm Craig McLeod. This guy here is my friend, John Douglas. Professor John Douglas today. Professor Professor. JD, also known as Jack Daniels, depends on what kind of liqueur you like to consume. Professor, 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 I am here. I'm here to do a little bit of, to lay a little bit of uh, education. Well, these are definitely was something that we've planned for a while. Now, my favourite so far is when we look at ads from all around the world, all Australia, and we kind of strip them down and we talk about the greatness. But this is now we're going to talk of, I think we called them the doyens. The doyens. The masters, like the Jedis of advertising. These are the Yodas. We're going to call them the Yodas, a Star Wars reference. For anyone who doesn't watch Star Wars, switch the podcast off. You're not worthy. (laughs) Don't, Don't stay and listen to us. If you have no idea who Yoda is, go away. Yeah, go away. Go, go away. away. No, so no. I'm just going to start with a little cheeky. Now, DDB, lots of people in this world know of DDB, but do people actually know? Most people know who the B is because he's bloody brilliant and that just happens to have Bs in it as well. But do they know who the two Ds are, my boy? I, um, I would suggest no. I think they know that their names were Doyle and Dane, but I don't think they go any kind of further than that. And um, and to tell you the truth, we're not going to go too deep into them today either. We're not. We're going to do what everyone does. We're going to stay focused on the brilliant, the amazing, the beginning. That's right. Bill Burnback. Bill Burnback. Bill Burnback, who is, I would suggest, one of the, everyone knows him as like one of the pillars of modern advertising, and he is the, I would say he is the, That's he's where modern advertising starts. Is he, he the godfather? The, Can we call him the godfather? Is he like, is that okay? Like yeah. the godfather. He's kind of the beginning, isn't he? Because yeah. where did he start, J.D.? He was grey. Was he grey first in the mailroom? Oh, or no, let me take you back. Let me take you back a little bit further. Do, 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 do. do you remember the Great Depression? You don't remember it like firsthand. No, we don't. You and I both don't remember it, but, no, we know of it. Right, right. So uh, the Great Depression started in, uh, I think, 1929 or something. So Bill Burnback, young 22-year-old Bill Burnback in 1933, gets a job in the mailroom at Shenley Distillery. Shenley right. Distillery. Now, since long gone, but they did um, they did American whiskey and uh, smooth yeah. Kentucky whiskey. And- it was whiskey, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely. And it was the because that's one of the things we'll get to down the track was his um, cleverness. Yeah, he was very, very clever. Yeah. Um, so he did this. Um, he did an ad for uh, uh, Shenley Distillery, and we'll just we'll throw these up as we go through the through the podcast for, for anyone who wants yeah. to have a look at them. Yep. So he does this one ad for Shenley Distillery. He gets it in hands in the right hands, puts it in the in the in the hands of someone who knows. It runs, and he gets promoted to the advertising department. Yep. So up he goes, so straight out of the mailroom. Because he had that entrepreneurial nature, and I guess he backed himself, he's like, you know what, I reckon this would be kind of cool. So wrote it, puts it in in front of the ad manager or whoever it was at the time, and they're like, this is bloody good. Yeah, but he wasn't He wasn't, He wasn't. wasn't so proud that he assumed that he was going to get straight into the advertising no. department. He just he started in the mailroom, like classic kind of bootstraps up yep. kind of bloke. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he moves. He does a bit of time in the war, like he, like all good, uh, you know. Yeah, he actually served, didn't he? Like uh, he went, yeah. he went over and and yeah, and fought. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was. Um, 
I think he went over. I don't know that he fought. I think he was probably a bit too clever to fight. I think he probably pulled a little bit of, oh, I've got fallen arches and did, you know, clerical work or something. I've got, I've got no idea. But I know, you know, he returned unscathed from the war. Um, and then he joins the um, uh, – he, he gets a brief gig writing for the World Fair. So the World Fair was – Oh, that's right. That was before, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that's right. Promotional thing. Then yep. William Weintraub, which was a big agency back then, and then goes to Grey and works himself up to creative director. Yep. And so by – only eight years from entry to creative director, like from when he came on to when he was yep. running the show creatively. It was like – it was about eight years, wasn't it? Yeah, eight years. So yep. he's he's been in the business about 16 years yep. and he joins he joins forces with, uh, with James Doyle and Maxwell Dane. So yep. Doyle and Dane. Now, were both account service guys, or were they copy guys? No, no, no. Both account service guys. So they yep. did the. I they see. had um, they had a bit of. Um, uh, I think they were funded by Allback, so the department store. But we'll get to that. Were they Ivy League boys, mate? Were they like oh, most? They were all the whole advertising. Everyone was Ivy League. Yep, Everyone was exactly. middle class. They all smoked a pipe. They all pretended they were bloody millionaires. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> they were the mad. They were the original bloody original madmen. Mad just smoking yeah. cigarettes and you know, <laughs> drinking in meetings like eleven o'clock. Scotch had come out. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what they were them. Yeah. Now, not too much is known about James Edwin Doyle. No, no nothing. Like, but. Maxwell Dane, to his everlasting credit, got onto uh, Richard Nixon's 20 most hated list, yeah. like the I'm going to get you list, because he, um, uh, Doyle Dane Burnback back um, Lyndon Johnson in the 1964 presidential election against Barry Goldwater. Yep. And this was when the threat of the Cold War was very, very real. Everyone was yep. assume, assuming that the, bo- the bomb was going to be dropped. You're going to see the... Yeah, and so and so Doyle Dane Burnback ran this ad. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, seven, six, six, eight, nine, nine. stakes to make a world in which all of God's children can live or to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die. Vote for President Johnson on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, Nothing strange about that. Here's a little girl. Plugging flowers? Oh, there's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let this happen. <laughs> Don't let this happen on your watch, whatever you do. And it was some, um, uh, I think it was like it was very uh, symptomatic of or emblematic of Burnback's what are the simple human truths? What are people yeah. afraid of? What do people desire? What do they really want? Like what are the things that drive and motivate people? And the fear of the Cold War was a classic kind of, if you don't vote for the right person, we're all going up in smoke. Yeah, there could be massive implications of you not towing the party line. Yep. yep. And so his um, 
he was one of the first people to put writers and art directors together. Yeah. And although we credit him with a massive amount of, like, everyone goes, ah, oh, the Volkswagen ads, ah, yeah, the Levi's ad, the Levi's ad, the Levi's the rye bread ad. The yep, Levi's not Levi's, ads. yeah. Yeah. He didn't write any of them. No. He did not. That's the he gets the credit for them. He gets the credit for them because he was a great judge of um, uh, of uh, advertising talent. Yeah, one thing I think you talk about a lot, JD, I guess, is his brilliance was twofold. He was very good creatively and, and as far as a creative director goes, but he was brilliant <laughs> at bringing the right people together and building a brilliant team around him and basically build a brilliant agency. That's what That's what he should be credited with. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy who first came out with this idea of simple human truths. Yeah, one of your um, favourites. Absolute faves. He said um, uh, his greatest quote, I think, was, it may well be, and I'm going to write it, I'm going to read it out from the screen just so I don't get it wrong. Yeah, well, we can put it up anyway, but, yeah, no, read it out. It may well be that creativity is the last unfair advantage we're legally allowed to take over our competitors. Yeah. That is... Still brilliant. Now, there was this lovely, um, there's a lovely interview he does in 1977 called, it's called very creatively, A Conversation with Bill Burnback by the uh, four A's. There, he, goes, uh, he obviously Associ- didn't write the, the headline there, mate. <laughs> the, the American, the Association of, the American Association of Advertising Agencies, whatever it is. Yep. And he does, he, he says, he says this piece about, <clears throat> like the importance of talent over technology. Yeah. So just listen to this. Wage part of advertising is going to be the same 100 years from now because the man with talent will be able to persuade and the man without talent won't, no matter how much knowledge you bring to him, no matter what mechanical devices you have. But I've got to tell you that those new inventions aren't going to great, uh, create a great new idea. And I keep telling that to our people. That little thing sitting by yourself and getting an idea is far more important than all the technology in the world. Now, forgetting about forgetting about Brilliant. the fact that he says a man with talent, like you know, he wasn't sexist. He was a child of the 1920s. You know, yeah. like just. And if we could record it again, we'll actually put over the top of that man or woman. But yeah, yeah. I, I, the sentiment of it. Yeah. Is brilliant. We've had this conversation many times about, you know, the the social media marketing manager or the digital marketing manager. Well, you're a marketing manager and you're just using the mediums of the time. Like there was never a TV marketing manager or a radio marketing manager or an outdoor. You're a fucking marketing manager. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So so why do they have digital marketing managers? Because people don't understand it. <laughs> Fucking hell. And, you know, one of his amazing ones is the simplicity of nobody counts the number of ads you run. All they remember is what they did. All yeah. they give a shit about is the impact they had. That's and then true. also, it's still true. I don't care whether you put it on social, digital, outdoor, TV. <laughs> if no one notices your ad, everything else is academic. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Like- you know, we, we've said that before about a bunch of these absolute legends of the space. And the whole thing, there's so much advertising out there. There's so much noise that you've actually got to make sure that you've got some level of truth that's going to impact them to actually capture their attention and get and actually get them to respond. Yep. And that's the that was his genius, I think, is is convincing people, the people that work for him, to concentrate on simple human truth. So let me um 
Let me just run a little who's who of America. Before you run, just quickly, I just want one more of his quotes, which I love. You know I'm big on his quotes, but he once said, let us prove to the world that good taste, good art, and good writing can be good selling. Yes. Now, I just believe that. I don't know when he wrote it, but it's so true, or when he said it, sorry, but it's so true still today. Yeah, no, it is. Bring together a need of a client, right? So they've got a need. I don't care. We need to sell, I don't know, how many Volkswagens by whatever time. We've got a need. But good taste. So we're not, we're not going to go out with vulgarity. We're not going to go out with something that's going to, you know, piss people yeah. off or annoy them. But good taste and then good art. So beautiful creation of art yes. with beautiful words can result in sales. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what we're here to do? That's that's it. Exactly. Love and it. <laughs> and a gr- and like the people who work for him, like there was this who's who of American yeah. advertising. <clears throat> I was gonna... reading in your notes that you'd prepped for me. Unbelievable, like so good. Yeah. If you look yeah. through the list, I mean, I, we can read some out if you want to, or we can actually, we'll actually just put them up. We'll put up. We'll just do a little ticker tape as yeah. we put the um, the would, on the vlog. I would love to read these out and just go through. Yeah, let's the do it. These people had so. Let's do it. Going to start with Julian. No, I'm going to start with a with a with a with a lady person. Oh, a lady okay. person okay. called Phyllis Robinson. Phyllis yes. Robinson wrote the original ads for Orbax, which was this but a discount department store in the wrong side of New York City, and gains the attention of the Rockefellers and that kind of very very rich set, and turns around the um, uh, turns around the fortunes of this department store in such a way that they're able to uh, then franchise their way across the USA. Like, right. turns it around. And those ads for Allbacks, which are just bloody delightful, written by written by a woman who goes on to become, I think, the first female copy chief in the United States. Like, yeah. this woman was a giant. And we have forgotten her. We yep. have absolutely forgotten her. And she was bloody brilliant. She's 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 pretty lovely little turn of phrase. Like just you know, we regret to inform you that the back to school bargains are on at Allbacks. It's like that's just sensational. So that then gets the attention of a small German car manufacturer yes, called Volkswagen. <laughs> yes, Volkswagen come knocking on their door, and they say, like you know, yep, indeed. Uh, and so. Um, they, Bill Bernbach has put writers and art directors together, and so he gives this job to Julian Kirk, Koenig, Koenig, yep, um, as the who's the writer, and and Helmut Krohn. Now, Helmut Krohn may be the greatest art director who ever lived. Yep. Like, just a giant, a, a giant of a man. Like, not like he's very small and, you know, vaguely German, but he's just this like from an art directing point of view, there's like God and then there's Helmut Krohn, yeah. maybe Paul Arden after that. But he's like, he's the father of modern art direction. He's the Michael yeah. Jordan of art direction, mate. That's what the best way to describe him. He's the Tiger Woods. He was an absolute juggernaut. So they've, they've got this, this small German car manufacturer and they're like, it's small. It doesn't use water. The engine's in the back. Like no noise. It's this bizarre thing. And the whole creative department gets together, goes to to Bill Burnback and says, you know, we've got to make it, um, you know, we've got to do the, uh, the, you know, get Dinah Shore and sing, buddy, you know, go and see the USA and a bloody, you know, whatever it is. Like 
and and you know marching bands and this is America's car and you know get rid of that bloody you know swastika on the front and you know away you go and and he's like no no we will not do that none of that and so Julian Koenig writes this um, think small but he wrote it the original headline was Willkommen which is like German for welcome like you know we're here and the guy who is the um, advertising manager for um, uh, Volkswagen notices this small line of copy in the ad that says maybe we got so big by thinking small and he said why couldn't we just say that in the headline and Koenig goes mm-hmm, we'll just go think small Helmut Krone puts that puts that gets the Volkswagen and puts it really small <laughs> right in the back oh, corner of the ad. <laughs> and like he Krone was like I've made it look good I don't think it'll be any good at all. Goes on holidays with his wife for two weeks, comes back, and everyone in New York is saying, oh, it's genius, it's brilliant, it's just being it. They they changed car advertising overnight. Because, they did. Because everything at that stage was big and it was colourful and there were three different typefaces in the headline. and there were Always a family in there and they were the perfect family. You know, the, the wife had her apron on and the dad had his suit with a briefcase and it was all exactly the same. And then this bar house minimalism came yeah. and just and changed. But doesn't just end there. Doesn't it? George Lois worked for 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 Birnbeck, and George Lois is the only person who is who has been inducted into. Now, let me get this right: the Advertising yep. Federation Hall of Fame, the Art Directors Hall of Fame, the One Club Creative Hall of Fame, got a Lifetime Achievement Award through the American Institute of Graphic Arts and the Society of Publication Designers. This man, <laughs> this man, he's the most awarded man in the history of advertising. <laughs> he is a genius. Yep. And he's he did a whole lot of Esquire magazine covers. That was kind of what he became really, really famous for. Yep. But he worked for Bill Birnbach in his creative department. Yep. Julian Koenig did for Timex, it takes a licking and it keeps on ticking. Bob Levinson, Bob Levinson, one of the greatest. Hold on, writers. hold on, hold on. It takes a licking and keeps, on, keeps ticking. on ticking. I mean, Timex. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. He did this oh. great ad. Sorry, little rabbit hole. Did this great ad. It was a Timex and a Rolex sitting side by side on the floor. Yeah. They said, and the voiceover said, "This is a roller." And as you're talking, there's this massive steamroller coming towards them, and it's like, <laughs> "This is a Rolex. It is the world's finest timepiece. It's you know, it's, uh, and it'll cost you three hundred and fifty dollars." This is way back. This is a Timex. It does exactly the same thing. It keeps exactly the same time. It's run on quartz. And, you know, the steam roll is getting yeah. buddy closer and closer and closer. The only costs <laughs> the Timex, which does exactly the same thing, is cheaper to replace than Rolex. <laughs> should, should anything happen to it? Like you, it run over, you can buy another one for a buck. Yeah, indeed. It was cheap. Um, Bob Levinson, one of my favourite writers in the world, used to start Whenever he wrote something, he would start and he would write a letter to his brother, Dear Charlie. And he would Are you write headed it towards the something. No, he'd just write it. Dear Charlie, he'd write it. And then best regards, Bob. And then he would just simply take out Dear Charlie and Best Regards Bob. And there would be the advertising copy. And it was really personal, direct, giant of a man, did a whole lot of Volkswagen ads. Yep. Brilliant ads. So um, Bob Gage, Hal Silverman, Rob, Ron Rosenfeld, who did this, buddy, who did the the Sony work and the the yes. 
he he came up with the line soft whiskey for Calvert distillers. All of these people, all of these people, all these all great ads based on simple human truths. Yeah. Now, a little bit of a little bit of light entertainment for the, for the listeners at home. The first television ad for Volkswagen, well, one of the most memorable ones for Volkswagen, is the immortal. And I say that with out a shadow of a doubt, in a thousand years' time, when they're looking at advertising in the 20th century, yep. this ad will be shown. Yeah. So this is this is one of the greatest ads of all time, and it is imaginatively called Snowplow. So play it now. the man who drives a snowplow drives to the snowplow this one drives a Volkswagen so you can stop wondering Yes. <laughs> Just, if you've ever wondered how the man who drives the snowplow drives to the snowplow, it's like, of course, like, how does he get, if the roads haven't been ploughed? How, how does, does he get there? How does he get there? Exactly. Unless he's plough sitting in his driveway, how's he going to get there? Indeed. This one drives a Volkswagen. So, you know, problem yep. solved. <laughs> and it was just like little ads like that that just, that just reinvented the way People believed advertising could present products. Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't overclaim. It was simple, impactful, benefit laden advertising that just you know he found ways of turning facts into truths, which is a that's a very handy trick to learn. He, yeah, he hired here you go. He hired Mary Wells. Mary Wells went on to be as a as a as the CEO of an advertising agency. Um, uh, I forget the name of it. There was it was Wells Advertising essentially. She was the first CEO, female CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Wow! And she started work <laughs> at BDP with BB. Yeah, yeah. Peggy Green, remember Peggy Olsen in Mad Men? Remember yeah. the character Peggy Olsen? That was yep. he was based, based on, on a real character called Peggy Green. Called Peggy Green. And Peggy Green did Avis We Try Harder. Wow. And that whole ad about, you know, I love that it ends with and our lines shorter. But yeah. your cars are always clean because they have to be. The air conditioner works, the heater works, the wipers work. Like all of that was just so well put together. You know, yeah. you can go with the number one, but if you go with the number two, you know we'll try harder. We'll try harder. Like it's just... And it goes down in it goes in history. It forced it forced Hertz. Yep. Who ignored it for a for a very very long time to acknowledge it. To acknowledge it and say they say they're number two. Why go with number one? Well, here's why we're number one. Like Hertz actually had to respond to it. And as soon as they do that, as soon as your opposition responds to one of your ads, you've won. You've like, won. The game was over. Yeah. 
no more bets. And one of the lovely things about about um, Burnback is it was Ivy League middle class white people, which surprisingly is roughly what advertising is today. Yeah, not, not as much, but yeah, you're right, roughly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he hired Jews and Greeks and Italians, and he did. Yeah, he did not care. No. Where you came from, but he believed they all of these people had goodness to add. That's yeah, yeah. why great insights and great perspectives, and, yep. and just through this funnel of simple human truths so of yep. rewarding the intelligence of the consumer and not yelling at them. So he does. He takes really simple things. So, so Polaroid. Let me play you a. Let me play you a little Polaroid ad. Yeah, boom. Let's hit it right now. I can do it better than you can. You can try. This is Polaroid's one step. You just press the button and the picture comes out. That's it? Yeah. Nothing about the motor? Nope. You never focus, you skip that. Why talk about what you don't do? And the sharp, clear SX-70 color develops in minutes. Nice, huh? Obvious and obvious. Well, you can't just say you press the button and the picture comes out. It's the world's simplest camera. Feeling threatened? Get the one step. Now... So good. For those of you playing along at home, that's James Garner. James Garner was the original Maverick before, but he. Um, uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, it wasn't Tom Cruise. It was um, uh, uh, Mel Gibson. Became, oh. Did the whole Maverick thing, but the, uh, James Garner. And James Garner was this kind of like he was a man's man, and you know, he's smart talking, and like just. Just a really simple demonstration of you just point and click, and it revolutionised the product. Revolutionised cameras. What was the simplicity that they really focused on? Just it was just really, point and click. Yeah, really, yeah. really simple. And one of my favourite ads, my favourite television ads, because I just love the idea of going into a client meeting and say, "Here's what we'd like to do with your product," and show it to the nation. So let me play you the American Tourister ad. Oh, this is brilliant. Dear clumsy bellboys, brutal cab drivers, careless doormen, ruthless porters, savage baggage masters, and all butterfingered luggage handlers all over the world. Have we got a suitcase for you? Pictures an idea like that. So it doesn't matter. Like, because, you know, it doesn't matter what the baggage handlers do to it. They can't be any worse than what Toto the bloody gorilla is doing to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and didn't they go on from that? Because I'm pretty sure Samsonite and American Tourist, they were kind of, they weren't one then, but I know they're one now. But didn't they do the one where the semi drives over it as well? Like the semi trailer drives over it? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, they they, they, but they just changed that whole kind of, yeah. what's the thing that's going to make an impact? Is it based on a truth? Does it matter to the people who are, who are watching it? Yep. How do we make it interesting? Like baggage handlers, they got uh, nothing on Fred the gorilla. Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with with a little uh, a little quote. I feel like so professors. Oh, I should I should have a little pipe now. Yeah. Yeah, you should have your pipe. You should be like. Uh, I like to close out today's bones of advertising. I'm just going to give you a quote, and the quote is. A quote is. The truth 
isn't the truth until people believe you. And they can't believe you if they don't know what you're saying. And they can't know what you're saying if they don't listen to you. And they won't listen to you if you're not interesting. And you're not interesting unless you can say things imaginatively, originally, and freshly. And so this whole thought of this is why, this quote, (laughs) this quote is why creative ads, relevant, well thought out, truthful, connective, engaging, creative ads are more effective than dull corporate garbage. Well said to you. And that, my friends, is another edition of JD, the Professor's School of the Bones of Advertising. I'm Craig McLeod. Today was all about this guy, and I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. Don't go changing. We'll be back. I won't.